And uh, we ended up in verse 11 of uh, chapter 1 in Philippians, and it spoke about the fruit of righteousness. And uh, there it said that um, Jesus gives us the fruits of righteousness for the glory and praise of God the Father. And we want to understand what those fruits of righteousness um, are and how does it apply to us practically on earth. Because we're here on earth, we, we read, we learn from the Word of God, but there's some elements that we have to um, adhere to uh, or p- pursue, as it were, so that we can give God glory and honor. So from, I just want to quickly recap from um, the beginning of uh, Philippians 1 through to, to verse um, 11. Uh, we've learned much from Paul. This book was written by Paul in, in, uh, in prison towards the uh, Philippians church, the, the Philippi people, as they, as they were. Um, and we, we've learned from verse 1 and 2 of Paul's humility. Paul was a humble man. He was a, a man uh, of, of great qualification. He was um, an apostle, a, a good, a wonderful scholar of, of um, the word and uh, or the word in, in those days. So he was a respected man. In fact, he was persecuting the church. He was known for his persecution. Then God, um, on the road to Damascus, met with him and they transformed him. But he doesn't approach the churches as I am Paul the Apostle. Listen to me. What I say is what you need to do and you need to do. No, no. He comes to the, and speaks to the churches with humility. He calls the church folk saints and he calls himself servant of Christ. Not saints, Bishop, and therefore what I say goes. No, no, he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. So that's what we learn from uh, verse 1 and 2, humility. Uh, he was an impartial man. Well, he was a man who prayed a lot as well. His life was governed by prayer. Then from verse 3 to 5, we learn that, seeing, looking at the life of Paul in the book of Philippians, that we learned that gratitude was a main part of, of uh, Paul's prayer life. So, you know, we pray and often we have a list of desires. God, do this, please, please, this. Let the weather kind of work out and no rain for the carols. God, please, please. But actually, he starts off his whole prayer life with God, thank you. <laughs> thank you that we have rain. Thank you that you are um, doing what needs to happen. Your world is taking place. And uh, so he, t- he teaches us that we too also have to have uh, this kind of attitude where our lives are actually, rather than running, Lord, please, 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 actually, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then it goes to the please, please, please. And then from verse, um, verse 6 is a, is a great um, uh, verse, like the others. But there we learned how Paul starts off by saying, he is confident that he who began a good work in us will bring it will carry it into uh, completion and bring it to completion. So he who began a good work in us will bring it across. We learned that uh, God is the one who initiated salvation in our lives. It's not us. It's not our clever ideas or people. It's, it's God. He started it. He will continue it and he will bring it to completion, to an end, which is quite... Um, Comforting. We actually don't have to do much. I don't have to do much for my salvation. 
Even though Paul later says that uh, you have to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But he says that not to put fear in us, but actually to kind of make us think you have to work out your, your salvation in fear and trembling. Because why God is at work in you? He who began a good work in you will continue it. So actually as he continues it, you are actually partaking in this work of salvation in our lives. And Paul begins that um, verse by saying, I am confident that he who began. And so the question we ask is, how can you be so confident, Mr. Paul? And the answer we got to was, because Paul knew that whatever God started, he will not abandon. He will not just leave it halfway done. Oh, I started this work, it didn't work, so I'll just leave it. No, no, whatever God starts, he will bring to an end. And that should give us, or give us confidence, certainly give me confidence in my salvation, in my walk with Christ. Actually, the work that he has started in me, he is continuing it, and he will bring it to completion. The one day I'll see Jesus, and that will be the day that he brings it to an end. Verse 7 and 8, um, we learned that uh, we defend the gospel with our lips, so we speak of the gospel, and then confirm the gospel with our lives. You've often heard of that statement, practice what you preach. I can preach, I can say life, all these good things, but is it reflecting, my, am I living what I'm saying? We learned that in verse um, 7 to 8. Verse 9, we also learned that authentic love, the love that we spoke about this morning, requires both knowledge and discernment. And God wants us to abide still more and more. So God gives us love. We have to love each other, but then when you've, when you've loved each other, he wants more. He wants to give you more and more. But you can't do it yourself. You can't generate this yourself. It's him. It's a divine love that he gives us. Um, this love that he gives us is not only expressed in words, as the world does often. Oh, I love you. Oh, actually, show me how you love, how you love me. Uh, so it's not just expressed in words, but the, this love that God speaks about is one that is also expressed in actions not just words but actions too then verse 10 we also learned that um, none of us none nobody whether christian or not operates without some scale of value you have to have a scale of value in life that guides you that you know you do things because this is um, the kind of gauge that you have uh, and the question here that came up was do we have god's scale of value or some sort of value that we prefer in our lives so to be does god come first or does money come first does god come first or does problems do they come first what what comes first in your life what scale of value do you do you operate um but we also concluded that actually to have god's scale of value we need god's help you cannot, I can try to have God's skills or value. I want to be sold out to God. But in myself, I cannot. It's impossible. But God, only he can help me, help us. And then this is where we, um, verse 11 says this, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, um, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is where we left about three weeks ago. We said, okay, this is what it says. But being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Okay, well, what are the fruits of righteousness? 
And parallel to that would be Galatians um, 5.22, which speaks of the fruit of righteousness. And uh, so this led us to a place where we feel as though we need to understand what, is, what are these fruits? How do, well, first we understand that Jesus gives them to us, these fruits, he gives them to us, not us. We don't do it ourselves, not the main manna of our account. No, no, Jesus gives it to us. And then there it says, um, it's given to us for the glory and praise of God. So the fruits that you, God, God gives us as Christians, as his children, is not for us, actually. It's worked out through us, but it's actually for the praise and glory of God the Father. He who did not spare his son and sent um, him on the cross for you and I. Whether we, we accepted him or not, he still sent his son for, for us. And that would we trust him for tonight. So we want to understand... Uh, what those fruits are, how they look like, and how they apply to our lives today. Because it's one thing to read the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, um, and we, we will read that now. But then how does it apply? When we finish here, when you read the Word, you still go back to your normal life. You're working, you're with your family, you are with uh, dogs, Cody, and, and, and the rest. You know, Like you are in, in just... You are living life. How does it apply to you in your normal day-to-day life in a way that will give God the praise and glory? But you've got to take a step back and understand that actually it's Him who gives it, gives it to us. It's Jesus Christ who gives us the ability to, to produce these, well, to be a part of these fruits. So we asked um, what these fruits are. And um, then we jumped to Galatians 5.22. So if you there, if you could turn to Galatians 5.22. Um, Galatians 5.22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Um, and I'll just stop there. Uh, there are more that we'll learn about as well. But um, so that's, those are the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. Okay? The first thing before we look at them, we need to understand is that the, the first thing we need to note with the fruit of the Spirit is that there are nine characteristic qualities of the Spirit that form three categories. The first category is directed toward self. So, internally, love, joy, and peace. That's towards self. Um, the second um, category is directed toward, towards um, uh, horizons, towards each other, which is, which is long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. I don't like that long-suffering one, but uh, it's there. You've got you, you to take what, what, uh, what you get. Hey. And then the thir- third one, is, the third category is towards God. So it's vertically. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the first thing we need to note, that there are three categories. Towards internally, horizontally, towards each other, um, and then vertically towards God. 
The second thing to note, which is what the Galatians it says, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. We note that love leads the list of virtues for the Spirit, I mean for the fruit of the Spirit, because it is the supreme virtue of the Christian life. Love is a supreme virtue of the Christian life. You can see that in, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Faith, hope, and um, those remain. Faith, hope, and love. I think it's faith, hope, and love. But, sorry? And the greatest of all is love. That is a supreme virtue. Love, love, love. Saying about um, love this morning, it's piercing the darkness. How does love pierce the darkness? Uh, it's obviously metaphorical, but we'll get to understand a bit more. Uh, it's a sacrificial love whereby we lose something to give to others. That is not a love that I have. It's not. I'll, if you tell me it's a love you have, I will say you are lying to me. It's impossible for you to, because why? We are inwardly focused. We want the best for me. So whatever comes, the first thing I think about is what is, what is, it, what is, is, it, is best for me? What can I get out of this deal? What can I get out of trying to help people? Uh, but Jesus' love is a little bit different. But if you, think, if you uh, are honest with yourself, naturally your, your inclination is you. It's you first. Your protection, your um, assurance, your what, what, what do I get first? And listen to what Romans 13 says, 13.10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Now, uh, that in itself just covers everything. Love True love does not, I will not harm uh, Heinrich. I will not think ill of Heinrich because I got love for him. But this is not superficial love. It's not just to appear, you know, to make him feel good. No, no, it's a, it's a divine love that, will, that comes, only comes from Christ. I love him with the love that I've been given by God. I cannot love him with my own love because my own love is actually a selfish love. It's a, I love him because I'm going to get something out of, out of him. Love him or try and do whatever because I know I'm going to get something. The kind of love that Jesus gives us is a love that loves him regardless of whether I get something out of him or not. In fact, it goes beyond it. It says, I will love you even if you stab me. This is the God. I mean, God the Father, regardless of us rejecting his son, sent, sent him to die for us. Whether we, whether we accept him or not. Galatians on in 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love, love, love. Now, the two greatest commandments. The first one is, love the Lord your God with everything in you. The whole being, love the Lord your God with everything in you. I'm just paraphrasing. The second one is like it. It says, um, you know, you are to love your neighbor. You're to treat your neighbor. You're to look after your neighbor. It's, it's, all, it's all the same. So you love the Lord your God. Often I've heard it said that 
You cannot say that you love your neighbor. No, sorry, that you love the Lord your God, but you don't love your neighbor. In John it says, how can you say you love me, God, that you don't see, but you don't love your neighbor, him who you, uh, that, who you see? Love is a practical thing as well. Love in action. It's not just words. I love you, love you, love you. No, no, it's actually uh, practical as well in action. I love you, and so I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But that can only come not out of a selfish love, but a, a love from, from Christ. So biblical love is not primarily just emotional. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a love that comes from the will. It comes from the heart. It comes from the, the, the inner being. Um, that's the agape love. that you, I'm sure you've heard of the word agape. Agape love is unconditional love. Uh, it's not emotional love, but love that springs from character. Biblical love is not an emotional love because emotional stuff goes up and goes down. If you, if you are good to me, I'm happy with you and I love you. If you are not good to me, I don't, I don't, lo- <laughs> I don't love you uh, that much. No, biblical love comes from, uh, springs from character. God loves, loved us with his character even in the face of our sin. This is God's character. And this is the love that he wants to impart on us. Um, because if, it was, if it's based on emotions, God would have looked at us and said, oh, these guys don't really care about me. Actually, one, two, three are going to reject me. Maybe more will reject my, my, my gift to them. Uh, it's not worth sending my son. But because of God's character, that cannot be changed. You know, he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. His character cannot change. So this love of his is born out of his character. He loves you whether you love him back or not. He loves you. And that's how he was able to send his son, regardless of um, people's um, reaction or attitude or whatever happens, whatever you, whether you accept him or not, he still sent his son. Um, and... This is the kind of love that Jesus um, wants to impart on every single Christian. And the question I have is, what kind of love do we have for, you, for one another? As Christian friends and ones who are called out to reach to the world, what kind of love are we expressing um, towards the world? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll understand a little bit more slightly with that question. Um, Romans 5 eight says, But God demonstrated demonstrates his own love towards us, you and I, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not he died for you after you uh, recognized you're a sinner and you need help. Know, while you're still a sinner, while you're still, I mean, the word says he wooed you into his love. It was, uh, it, it was his love that actually called you into his, his um, kingdom, his, his way of life. If it wasn't for his love, we would be a different breed of people. And so, I suppose then the question now will be asked is, love is the supreme, leads the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. It leads the pack. Um, and so, if that's the case, I asked how is it looking for, towards each other as Christian brothers and sisters, 
wherever we are, and towards the world that do not know of God and this love that he has given us. And you see, the, the outstanding hallmark um, and essential earmark of being a believer is actually love. Love. Do I with everything else? Everything else? Love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of them all is love. How will brothers and sisters in this world know that your disciples will, will see later? Is because for love for one another. But that love for one another cannot be an internal thing. Kept, oh, I love you, Henrik. Stay there, but I, I love you, you know. No, no, it's got to be expressed outward. People must see that my interaction with Henrik is, there's love there. A camping experience when the world opens up and we're in trouble. Man, you know, the love that you receive because people rush in and because of the love, the people will see that. People will see that. And um, so the Holy Spirit is the only one who can produce biblical love. I think we need to agree on that. You, in your own doing, cannot. It's impossible for you to create biblical love that is born out of God's character. It's impossible. Because you are inward, you are selfish. We are just, it's just the carnal nature of us. We, we, it, it's, it's forever trying to, to take over. Um, and this, this um, is not the kind of love that you receive from your parents. Or the kind of love that you have for your kids. Uh, that's a wonderful love, but it's not the same kind of love. Biblical love is not the same kind of love. This love cannot come from a close relationship with your husband or your wife, your family, your friends. It does not come from human relationships, but the Spirit himself. It can only come from God himself. And all the other loves are almost an image, picture image of the love that God, the love that God has for us. Um, and that love is, is imperfect. But God's love is worked out in our lives and becomes perfect as we practice it, as you reach out to others, and um, which is which is incredible. I, like I mean, love, love, love. You know, the world has uh, shaped it differently. Ah, I love you because you look so nice, or you've got this, or you can do that for me, or ah, then I love you, man, because I agree with you. Now we disagree with each other, but actually I still love you because. The love that I have for you is not my own doing. It's from God himself. So one of the byproducts of becoming a Christian is that the Holy Spirit changes and uh, does something in our, in our hearts, in our lives. Um, changes our love toward God and other people. Holy Spirit changes the love that he gives us towards him, God the Father, and us as a people. And one of the benefits of salvation is that God deposits a supernatural love and ability in our hearts, enabling us to love someone beside our mothers, fathers, um, children, wife, husband, family. That is, that is what God does. For me to be able to love someone who um, I do not know or is different to me or is 
Er man altid stinky og lagt, lagt værkans. That is impossible. It cannot, in my own human understanding, it's, it's not possible. But when you come into contact with the love of God, He helps you to love Him first, first commandment, and then to love each other, love the world out there. With not a fake love, but with a real love that is out of His character. Um, I mean, we know that even Christians can't even love each other. <laughs> they battle with that. Can you imagine the, the world who don't know God, how much more they battle with? Um, but, when, but the truth is, when God, through His Spirit, comes and lives in your heart and changes and transforms you, because we have been transformed into the image and likeness of Christ every single day, um, then when that happens, we are able to love each other unconditionally as it were. Yes, we still the the carnal self is still trying, oh honey, what can I get from you? Yeah, yeah I love you, but what it's always there, but we've got to consciously suppress that and say, no, I'm not gonna I'm gonna love you because God has loved me. And I love him the way God has loved me as best as I can. Holy Spirit help me because <laughs> because Anuk is a difficult man. Look at it, eh? Made me go camping. I mean, you know <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, this is an uncontrollable love as well. We know of a guy, um, uh, Clint Harker. He's a guy at Cornerstone, and um, he's a man who got saved, a business guy who. God radically changed him. He got saved, and what happened is, he would he would go and he would see uh, guys. I mean, Yeovil is most of you exposed to. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a not not the greatest place. You got uh, people who are not very wealthy, uh, people who uh, hobos, you know, people who don't have much like we do. And God challenged him, and he said, "You need to love these people. These are my people." This is what he says to me. And, um, and he said, God, but I can't. These people stink. <laughs> I cannot, how? Oh, I can't. You must love them. I must go love people who smell, people who don't have, people who are different to me. And, and, and he said, I can't. He said, God, unless you help me, I, I'm not going to be able to. And I loved it because he admitted of his, um, it wasn't fake. Oh, no, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to love. And you, you, you go and you pretend. No, no, God, actually, I can't. My, I can't. Help me. And uh, he says then, what happened is, God, through his spirit, transformed him, like, overnight. To the point where he will go to the hobos. He will be giving them hugs. <laughs> he will be present. He will love them. So much so that where they used to uh, stink or smell, that they disappeared. To the rest of us, the smell was there, but to him it wasn't. He said he'll go there. These people are uh, clean. They are amazing. And man, the amazing testimonies that we hear that come out of that. He has almost turned that place upside down with the love of God. He goes there and he loves on these people. He feeds these people. They, it's just a whole different um, atmosphere. Now that is impossible if it's not uh, God in you. It's impossible. You can tell me what you're going to tell me, but uh, it's impossible. 
And even Clint Hawk himself would, would admit it was impossible for him until he said, God, help me to love your, your, your children from your character, out of your character. And that is incredible. So that's a challenge for even me, um, for all of us in some ways, to some degrees. Now it makes you just think, where are we at? Where, where, where's our, where are we in our lives? What, what people have God, has God brought in our lives? How are we loving them? How are we showing them the love of, of God? And how are we not? Um, and it's the Holy Spirit who gives us this kind of love. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not um, um, our own righteous works, our own self good works. It's the Holy Spirit. Listen to John 13, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. This is what our Savior said, commanded us when he, when he died, or before he died. He said, um, he commanded us to operate on the, this virtue of love. So fellow, Christi fellow Christians, God commanded us to operate with this virtue of love. He says in, this in John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All will know that you're his disciples, not because of the great evangelistic work that we're doing out there, the feeding, the doing this and doing all the amazing, no, no. If you have love for one another, then people will know that you are my, dis my disciples. Now, you can imagine um, earlier on when Jesus called the disciples together, he said, you know, come follow me, I will teach you, I will show you, I will do all those things. And then um, you, you, Jesus says this to them, you're going to love each other. You know, and you could, you could, you could just, I can just imagine um, some of the disciples might have said, but Jesus, just hang on, let us grow, let, let us mature first. Let's be more, a little bit more Christian-like so that um, we can, I can then love my fellow disciples. Uh, I can just see Matthew saying, man, um, I can't love that big mouth Peter sitting there, standing and speaking and going on for himself. Um, I, I, can't, I don't have capacity to love him. Let me grow first. Let me be able to just mature first in my Christian walk so I can love old Peter. Um, or you have maybe James saying, you really expect me to love John, the dreamer? I mean, he's always on cloud nine. He's freaking dreaming about the world and dreaming about all sorts of things. We have to have our feet on the ground so we can work things out. Um, like we, need, we, need, we need to mature. We need, we need, to, we need to be real. Um, but Jesus said this. No, 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 no. You don't need to love each other once you've matured. Actually, you must love each other from the word go. I've saved you. I've called into my You love each other from the word go. Um, Right up in, your, in the beginning. Love each other. So, you're born, you're saved into the family of God. He 
brings you in the, around a group of people. He doesn't say, no, no, okay, wait, let, let me see you, Richie. Let me, let me just, you know, get, let me mature so I can love him or vice versa. No, no, he says, no, no, I've got to love you. I, I am to love you regardless. You are to love me regardless. And um, then I suppose we can also ask, uh, say that, well, then how much, Lord, should I be loving my fellow Christian friends? How much? How much? And the answer is quite clear. Jesus says in that, in that uh, scripture earlier on, as I have loved you. How much must I love you? As God has loved me. How much must you love me? As God has loved you. Now that's a bit of a, okay, I must love you the way God has loved me. That's a bit of a, of a challenge. It's a bit of a difficult one. But it's only possible through Jesus Christ. And then Jesus goes on and adds something more to this statement about love. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Men will know that we are Jesus' disciples when we wear the badge of love. The badge of love. The badge of Christian discipleship is not witnessing, is not manifesting a gift of the Spirit, but the production of divine love. Divine love. Now, the truth of the matter, if you're honest with yourself, is that we need help here. Uh, I need help here. When it comes to this love divine, this fruit, first fruit that leads the, the, all the rest, I need help. I cannot do this in my own strength. Because actually, why? It's exhausting. It's exhausting to love in this kind of way. In my own self. It is. For Clint Harker, it's exhausting to love people who don't have anything. It's exhausting because that love is not just I love you, but it's actually in action. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... It's exhausting. People who rub you up the wrong way, Christian brothers and sisters, it's exhausting to still love them. We need God's help. And the answer to that is that we need to continually yield to Jesus and allow him to produce this divine love in us. Remember the scripture about the branch and the vines. The vine cannot produce any fruit unless it's connected to the, to the, to the, the, the tree. It's impossible. It's the same for us as Christians. We cannot produce these fruits. And I say we. It's actually Christ in us as we grafted, as we are connected with him, so he produces these fruits. These fruits of love can only be produced by him who gives us these fruits uh, to bring glory and praise to God our Father, as we read in Philippians 1 verse 11. So the question I have for us 